Hello and welcome to episode 184 of the NFL Scotland podcast. The LA Rams are your Super Bowl champions. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And because the Rams won, Paul Mitchell has left the country. He's absolutely sacked this. He couldn't face it. He's He's gone. He's gone. So I'm joined, as ever, by Charles Patterson, by Gordon McGuinness. Good evening, gentlemen. Hello. Hello, hello. Good evening. I think Gordon's still slightly quivering from lack of sleep there. And please welcome, <laughs> we have to have a four people here, and we have to have someone representing our champion. So please welcome back to the podcast. He writes for The Terrace. He writes for Nutmeg Magazine. He writes for The Scotsman. He also writes for the NFL Scotland website. That's the big one. And he's an LA Rams fan. Please welcome back Andy Harrow. Good evening, sir. Good evening. First of all, Andy, we'll give you the opening <clears throat> words here. How does it feel? Yeah, brilliant. Uh, it was great. It was. Um, it's a strange feeling. Uh, that whole season is a strange feeling when your when your team is as all in as the Rams have been. There's really only one outcome that's a successful one. So, uh, it's. It, I mean, it's 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 a brilliant feeling to win it. And there's, I suppose, as a fan, you find yourself feeling more of an underdog sometimes than maybe neutrals would see. So, for instance, the the Forty ers game. Uh, prior to the, the Super Bowl, probably felt a bit more worried about it than, than maybe a lot of neutrals would have done. But yeah, I, I think it's been uh, a, a relatively short build, I suppose, com- in, compared to a lot of teams in terms of how, you know, since the last Super Bowl was the, the start of 2019. So it's not really been that long since the Rams were in one, and there's obviously been lots of teams that, that haven't managed to get one in that whole period of time. But it's been such a high wire act. It's felt like there's been such an incredibly short shelf life on on this possibly being a success. I mean, we were talking we're talking really since since the Stafford trade. Really, we're talking about this year, maybe next year, and maybe a push the year after that. And then after that, you're looking at maybe 10, 15 years of mediocrity or or, or worse <laughs> potentially because the <laughs> at some point the bill is going to become due for for all these players so there is a there's a kind of strange level of stress about the the whole season knowing that we had such a a short window to to do something but it was it was great that they did it and i think it the way that they did it was uh a kind of relatively poetic it, it's not a, it's not maybe a, a a particularly poetic story in a sense that the Rams winning it not not as much as um, the Bengals winning it would have been but the fact that you've got people like uh, Stafford making a huge difference and he did all through the playoffs you know there was doubts about and I had the same doubts about how whether he could keep it going for the, the four game stretch so the fact that he came up uh, clutch at the end again but also the fact that the, the other big players in the day were the, the people we've had since you know at least 2017 and a bit in, in Donald's case beforehand. You know, Donald was was one of the few draft picks we've actually had. But Cooper Cup was the same. Cooper Cup came through in 2017. Andrew Whitworth was a free agency signing back then as well. So so as much as the uh, there's been a lot of big signings recently, the, the backbone of that team has been there for a few years. And I think it was it was nice that it was a combination of the new guys and the the, the older members of the team that uh, that ultimately made a difference, but it was it was more stressful than uh, than I'd have liked. <laughs> so I was just going to ask you. That's the next question. At what point did you go? We've got this. Was it was it at the sack? Was it as late as that, or did there, was there a little bit before that where you thought actually, do you know what? We're we're going to do this. 
I, 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 I was relatively calm when the Bengals got the ball back. The, the peak level of stress was that the drive that the Rams were on because not, basically nothing had happened after the uh, Odell Beckham injury. But it was it was uh, given the time there was really only going to be time for that one drive. Th- there was a chance that the Bengals would give the the ball back to Rams. We'd maybe have like twenty or thirty seconds left. So realistically, it was the last chance for a drive. And given how little uh, yardage is actually made the whole of the second half, effectively, that that was really big stress. Was that you just think there's just a chance that Stafford obviously. Uh, throws an interception or that there's just a, a fumble or that they just can't get it done the same way that they hadn't been able to get it done for any number of drives up to that point so so that was the most stressful point I think once they kind of got to about a yard out for about the fourth penalty in the the space of a minute and a half uh, felt a bit more calm there and then I just to be honest I kind of thought the defence the defence would have it at that point uh, I was a bit nervous there was a, there was a period where Chase I think beat Ramsey I think Ramsey tried to cut the, the route and it didn't work in Chase maybe got 10 yards and there was a wee bit of nerves there but the defence had been so much improved in the second half and I think they, they ultimately had the measure of the, the Bengals offensive line so I, I felt when, once the Rams went ahead I kind of felt that that was maybe it Guys uh, Charles Gordon it was uh, I don't know if it was a game of two halves but it, it, it felt like a very different Super Bowl in the first half to the second Andy's just touched on there that the the Rams defense had the the better off the Cincinnati O line, but it took a while for that to be the case. And actually, early doors, it looked like the the game plan from Cincinnati was pretty good. I um, I think the game went essentially the way that we predicted it would last week. In the fact that the the defining factor of the whole game was the the defense of 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 the Rams, but the fact it took so long was due in part really to the fact that the, the Bengals were able to run the ball and the Rams weren't able to run the ball. And you've got that balance there as a result, which just kept that defensive line on its heels a little bit. And then when you saw the fifth rusher coming in the second half, I mean, Joe Burrow took four sacks in the third quarter and he'd had one in the first half entirely. And that was one, I mean, they obviously, they struck twice very, very quickly, but then they were shut down completely. And ultimately, I think I don't think either offense, but it's, the irony being that Sean McVay is an offensive coach, and so is Zach Taylor because he's off the shot off Sean McVay's um, coaching tree. I don't think either had a good offensive game at all. And at the end, the reason that they won from an offensive perspective, the Rams, is because they just they ran out of options. They said, "Right, give the ball to your best player." And that final drive involving Cooper Cup, he had five first downs on that final drive, and two touchdowns. He's the MVP. We, we can talk about Aaron Donald as well, but offensively, neither team were able to get the rhythm that they wanted to over the course of the 60 minutes because the two defensive lines were able to cause enough damage. And I mean, you talked about Jalen Rams. Jalen Rams had a terrible game. Okay, he was maybe <laughs> done for the pass interference, but the, the, the Bengals have shown all year long that they can strike from deep and, and, and strike outside the numbers with their wide receivers, and they did it twice. And... You know, but at the same time, Burrow didn't have a great game because he wasn't allowed to have a great game because he had no time in the pocket. And Stafford played really, really well within the parameters of what he was allowed to do. And he had no running game to support him. So the, I think the right team won. But it, it was a it was a culmination of what we've seen this season. There is no outstanding team 
in the NFL, any one of perhaps six or seven teams, depending on the way that things have manoeuvred in the playoffs, could have won it. And the Rams just had that little bit of extra gold dust at the end, and that was Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup. If if I'm the Bengals, the thing that makes me most sick is the AFC is going to be difficult to get back to the Super Bowl. Mm. You know, there's a lot of good teams in the AFC. If you had picked the game plan for the Rams that the Bengals wanted, it would have been that game plan, which was persistent trying to run the ball with Cam Akers, despite the fact that I think they had they had one Cam Akers run that was like a success in the entire game. And Sean McVay <laughs> kept doing it. Kept, that, this was the game plan that allowed the Bengals to have a chance to win that game. And ultimately, they they couldn't do it. They kind of they fell apart in terms of their pass protection. When we talk about the sacks they take and stuff as well, like great quarterbacks don't take sacks. Peyton Manning was phenomenal. The Colts didn't have an amazing offensive line throughout his time there. They had a couple of good players, but Peyton Manning was tremendous at avoiding sacks. Tom Brady was great at avoiding sacks. That that's the thing that Joe Burrow has to improve upon the most. I don't think many of those sacks were on him though. I think he was. They were just overwhelmed. There was maybe one you could say, possibly two, but they were absolutely taken to the cleaners in that second half. And we we said last week, Aaron Donald is the best player in the NFL. He, it's arguable whether he's the best defensive player there's ever been. I never I never saw Lawrence Taylor in the flesh, um, but and he is justifiably regarded as the greatest defensive player of all time. Aaron Donald's got to be in the conversation now because he took over the game against the 49ers. He single-handedly wrecked that uh, fourth quarter for San Francisco and he did it again. He did it again at the weekend. And that is the mark of an all-time superstar in the in, in the moment when it matters. And I tell you, Andy, if you're a Rams fan, you have got to be absolutely terrified that he's talking about retirement because that is... If that happens, you're never going back to the Super Bowl in your lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I think you're right. I don't think. I think if that was to happen, and I don't think it will happen yet. It feels like they'll at least try and run it back and see see where they get to next year. But yeah, you're right. I, I mean, I think it, it makes such a difference to the uh, to the defense that. He, he literally can't replace him. He, he's irreplaceable. And it doesn't matter if you had Vaughn Miller coming back, if you had the rest of that, that defence coming back, they're not going to be anywhere near as productive without, you know, having people triple teaming Donald all the time. So, yeah, that's the that's the worry. I mean, the, the, the thing that blinded me slightly was the, the fact that people were talking about Sean McVay potentially retiring. He's, he's, young, <laughs> he's younger than me. I know. Um, <laughs> So I, uh, I find that odd. But yeah, I, I think I think that's the... I think he'll come back for at least a year. But I think partly why Donald is as good as he is is because his regime is, is incredibly intense. Uh, it's kind of... In order to, to get to the shape and the physical condition that he's in, it requires... You know, it's not Tom Brady... Unlike Tom Brady in terms of it takes a lot of time and effort and pain to, to get to that point. So I could completely understand from a personal level why you would maybe want to eventually give that up but yeah I uh, that that would be the, the nervousness for, for this season or the season coming but to be honest it was all leading up to this point anyway so there's a there's a part of it where you just kind of accept whatever happens after this we've you know it would be different if we'd, we'd got to the Super Bowl and then lost it and then he retires and you've lost your second chance under McVeigh and then you've basically lost your window as well whereas I think now as great as it would be to to do it again next year I think there's a 
an understanding that it's probably not going to happen because it's so difficult to do. So, um, yeah, but we'll see what happens. As I say, there's once they've had a bit of time to to think about it, I I would be surprised if they if they don't keep a lot of those people together that they don't give it another shot. To be honest, the same way that the Bucks have tried this year. This is always the chat though after the Super and during the Super in the ramp. This could be the retirement. This could be the moment because it's a, a lovely headline and it's a story to carry through to the off season. There's also a lot of emotion. So you know when you when a player's just won the Super Bowl, you stick a microphone under him and go, "Is this it? Is this retirement time?" You know they'll always give that. Oh, I need to go away and think about that because they're not going to answer either way. Um, it was the fact that the, the Donald stuff though came completely out of left field and it came about ninety minutes before kickoff. Yeah. from Rodney Harrison, who was working on the sidelines with NBC. So he's clearly heard something. And Aaron Donald's 30 years old. He's not like he's in his in, in his dotage. Yeah. So there's obviously, and, and you, you don't know what drives individual players, but this was always the focus for him and for the franchise was to get back to the Super Bowl in your own stadium and win it. I think Andy summed it up quite succinctly and very honestly at the start when he said, there's a pretty good chance that we're never going to get back here. They threw the kitchen sink at it this year. If they hadn't, then you're looking, I mean, you don't have a first round draft pick until 2076 or something. It's one, what do you do as a franchise if it doesn't work out this year? How do you sort your salary cap? How do you keep all these players happy? He's got nothing left to achieve. If he wants to come back, he's not going to go and win seven Super Bowls like Tom Brady. He doesn't have to prove anything to anybody else. So if he does decide to move on, they have a huge hole to fill. The, the McVeigh stuff was supposedly in league circles in November. Mm. Um, and there is apparently a little bit of smoke there. And it's around the fact that he's 36, wants to go and start a family, all that stuff. And NFL head coaches have to work 3 a.m. until midnight a lot of the time. And I saw someone tweet, Tony Romo's 10 million a year is the same as another head coach's 10 million a year. You can have an easier life. So if McVeigh did decide, and maybe it's not this year, maybe he waits another couple of years, the fact that there is conversation about it, he's someone who got into the NFL as a head coach very young. He has an opportunity to probably go and get himself a nice broadcasting job afterwards. I mean, the idea that he doesn't coach into his 50s, for example, probably isn't something that's like a wild concept. Yeah. So. At that point, does he win a Super Bowl and get out? Like, I don't think he's retiring this year. And he himself pretty much said as much afterwards. But what I think is really nice for the Rams, though, was they went all in. They went all in with Stafford. And, okay, he had his mistakes in the Super Bowl. He had his mistakes in the 49ers game they got away with. But the throw he had on the on the final drive to Cooper Cup was phenomenal. I like and. <laughs> the, the more the more you watch it, the the better it gets. You watch the, it enough times, it, it genuinely that way. becomes the, the, the further the further his eyes get from the direction he throws it, and every time it, you watch it, it's almost a full. You, you watch it fifty times, yeah. Like at ten times, it's the it's the best throw you've seen this season. At twenty, it's the best uh, in Super Bowl history. Fifty times, it's the greatest throw of all time. Like just he moved players really well. And the other thing as well. Like there wasn't that. There's kind of like a, an attempt to push controversy on the result of that game. I don't think the result was controversial. Like the best team won. It was a close game. It was like a kind of nervy tight affair. But the Rams were the better team. It wasn't a classic. And no. 
Yeah, it was extremely compelling to watch. And if you were coming in to watch an NFL game for the first time, which a lot of people with the Super Bowl do, then you would have been royally entertained. And obviously the bit at halftime was quite good too. And I'm sure we'll touch on that. Yeah. But the, the the fact is that these were two number four seeds who over the course of the season were shown to be extremely fallible at various points. Um <laughs> the Bengals got beat by the Jets, for God's sake, during the regular season. And the Rams got smoked in their own house by the Titans and lost to the, the Packers and got beaten twice by the Niners in the regular season. So they're, they're not, these are not teams who, at the moment, you, I mean, if you look at what's going to happen next year and the year after, the Bengals are in a far better position to be a dominant force or to be a contender over the next five years than perhaps the Rams are because of the way the Rams have built their roster. But, these are there were two good teams who were really evenly balanced and i don't think the, 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 the spread was suggesting the rams were heavy favorites at one point i don't think it was ever going to be the case and i think the game played out as much as it, we expected it would and the 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 one mismatch as we said last week was the defensive line against the cincinnati offensive line and that is how it played out but they did a good job in the first half of keeping... Yep. I mean, there was a couple and of shots that, like, though, three Cameron. people on them. They did. They did run the ball. A um, yeah. couple of talking you know, points, that's though. What, I, think they, I, think they lost I think they lost it in the second half because they, they went away from Joe Mixon. I mean, Joe Mixon had, what, um, 15 carries for 72 yards. That's nearly five yards a carry. Yeah. And that they had that balance there, but it was hard work all day for them. And you do wonder if they had kind of kept him in on the third and fourth down. Why don't you keep your big back in? Why do you bring in the passing back it's yeah. mad yeah. I don't like that idea at all a couple of talking points from the game though to, to get your thoughts on how big was the Odell Beckham injury in the context of keeping this game close if Beckham remains in the game do we think that the Rams get away from the Bengals earlier because Stafford has all the options available to him or do we think that the the, the Bengals had shown enough that this still would have been as tight all the way through I think they would have still been close. I think hmm. it, it you might have had an extra touchdown for each team, but I think it would have been close. The Bengals would have been more aggressive. If they'd had to be, the Rams would have... The interesting talking point might be, if Odell doesn't get hurt, do the Rams force the ball to Cooper Cup? Because in that final drive, it didn't matter how covered he was, they were throwing the ball to him. Yeah. And if Odell isn't hurt, does that happen? I, I, I have to say, I felt... Fairly comfortable in that first half when Adele was in the game because that, as much as you, it's, it's a fair point about the Bengals that they they were kind of matching them stride for stride anyway, so so it could still have been a close game. But I think that the Rams were decimated in offense after that because they couldn't run the ball. And and McVeigh has this uh, issue with it. it so half of the problems that the Rams sometimes have is McVeigh's play calling, and sometimes it's great, and sometimes he schemes up really brilliant plays. Uh, and you know, part of the reason why the Rams have been so good since he's come in is obviously because of how he's coached on offense, and why there's so many of his coaches have ended up going elsewhere. But he is such an oddly conservative coach for you just assuming he's a young guy that he's going to be really uh, positive and exciting but he's an incredibly conservative coach you know he doesn't ever go for it in fourth down he, he always tries to establish the run and it's it, and especially here when I, I don't think Cam Akers is fit yet I don't think he's been good really in any of the uh, the playoff games since he's come back and, and Michelle was doing okay before that and, and obviously Henderson got hurt as well but I, I just think when Odell was in there it made a difference for Stafford that there was 
after he left, it was easy for the Bengals or easier for the Bengals to focus and cut because Higby was out as well because the run game wasn't working. Kendall Blanton, the the second choice tight end, was out as well. So there was there was literally nobody left apart from Cup. Jefferson was having a bad game. Ben Skoronek. Yeah. They had Daryl Henderson out lining up out wide. It was yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> it, was, it was it was so one dimensional, and that's the problem. And that's you know for, for for the Rams, and that's why extraordinary it was that Cooper Cup had all those catches and in, in, on that final drive because he knew he was going to get it. Yeah. The, so. the play calling was interesting, though. I did think there was bits in it because it had start. The Rams started so well. Obviously, the Beckham injury came in, but it did feel like for a long time there. They didn't know what to do, and they weren't forcing it to cup. And as Gordon's already touched on, they kept running the ball. And I was sitting thinking, sort of midway through the third quarter, I was thinking, is this Super Bowl 53? Like, is the second half going to be a bit like that? And the the Rams are just going to... I don't even still know what went wrong there. You know, just so conservative all the way through, just didn't push the envelope at any point and really struggled for it. Ultimately, that flipped at the end, and it was a brilliant drive, but go to your best man on the field um, and Cooper Cup was as Cooper Cup was all season long absolutely sensational uh, put the team on his back and, and carried them down the field which was which was brilliant the other talking point though let's let's get on to the flags because this is you know picking up on the stuff that I see people chatting about obviously fragrant no call on the Higgins touchdown to open the second quarter you touched on the 400 yellow flags in the last 30 seconds of that Rams uh, possession as things went nuts. I guess, first of all, Gordon, you've already shared some opinions with us personally, but, you know, the the holding call um, that was called right at the end there by uh, Logan Wilson uh, on Cooper Cup, it, it was a hold. It yeah. was a hold. I think, though... The, the, po- the, gripe is that, the gripe is that the entire Rams offensive line false started. Yes. yes. If that if that if that's the grape you want to have for the Bengals, fine. If you want to have the grape that you know it's a it's a ticky tack call, all that stuff. Like it's Stafford a ticky tack call though when they've been let go pretty much all night. Yeah, like that's that, and I can understand that because and defensive players hate that inconsistency. That that's like, that's we don't fine. Don't call it for three quarters, and then suddenly all the flags actively, start flying. He actively grabs him, and the, the whole hmm. thing is you're you're allowed to go and make a play on the ball if you're a defensive player. That's fine. You can't pull the offensive player back. Like, he's got his hand on him. To reach for the ball, he pulls back on cup first to, to do it. They're, they're going to call that every time. But Jalen Ramsey wasn't done for that in the first half on Higgins when he had a handful of jersey and pulled back. And I think that... <laughs> Jalen Ramsey had this face mask ripped off on the 75-yard touchdown. It's true. I'm not saying, if, if, I think there's, it's... if there's any gripe about officiating in this game, it's that the Rams were a little bit hard done by it in that final drive. I, I think... don't think you can... You can't blame... The officials, I think, had a relatively average game. It didn't, it didn't affect things one way or the other. I mean, yeah, to it... be honest, if you're a fan well, I mean, that's moaning about that, then... It did affect things, but they... they it, for me, it's the consistency piece. I don't think there was a bad call in there other than, sorry, the bad calls were missing the false start and the ridiculous face mask, right? Also, I think the face mask was done by Jalen Ramsey himself because of the way that he kind of flipped his head around. It made yeah. it look like he was looking for the and, ball. And I was and like, oh, see, God, I can see why they didn't see it. But Yeah, yeah and was, you can see the angle the angle of the guy running down the touchline, the judge running down the touchline. He, he would not have seen that. Yes. And it would have had to have been the guy in the center field who would have seen it. So... 
I can understand why it wasn't called, although it absolutely should have been. But it's, yeah, the, 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 it's good thing Paul's not here because if Paul had been here, he would have been bitching like hell about the <laughs> about the about the officiating, and he would have also been saying that they shouldn't have gone for enforced down. But there we go. He's enjoying himself on a sun kissed island. Oh, he, he, uh, he, he oh yeah, on the final drive. Oh right, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Andy, the, the officiating. Um, how much were you out your seat shouting when the no call was? And how did you feel? You know, as a Rams fan, did you think you you got fortunate with a slightly weak call, or did you feel it was bang on? Yeah, I, it, the, I, because Ramsey had already been burned in the first half. I, initially, obviously, I didn't see that it was a face mask. So, so when it, it first happens, you don't uh, you don't necessarily react to it other than just thinking Ramsey's got done again. But yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a Poor call, yeah. um, but it it was one where I don't think because of when it happened in the game, there was so much of the game left to go. It, it's hard to say now, I suppose, given that the, the results gone the other way. But it didn't feel like it was. Uh, it wasn't one like the I don't know to use, to use the example that we use in, in terms of Paul. It wasn't like the uh, the one in the Rams Saints game. It was right at the end of the game, and it's the obvious kind of turning point. And it there was a long time for the Rams to. Have, had a number of drives in uh, for them all to have stalled. So th- there was a wee bit of it where the, the the time that it happened made it seem a bit less impactful. In terms of the holding, I, I thought it was a hold. It wasn't it wasn't much of one. And as you know, Charles makes a fair point about the fact that there really hadn't been called all game. So to call it at that point is a bit uh, bit of a surprise, perhaps. But yeah, I, I thought it I thought it was okay. Um, but yeah, the, the the officiating was you're always going to get a few mistakes, and I think ultimately because the Rams won the the call against the Bengals is maybe less of a obvious one or less dramatic than the the Higgins touchdown one, and because ultimately the Rams won, it maybe doesn't matter too much. And it's, it's it's good in a way I think that we're not it's not the first thing you focus on from from that game. Uh, there's there's enough stuff happened sort of in between it to. Um, to make it just a kind of an, an additional thing to chat about. So the other the other thing, Jalen Ramsey didn't play as bad as the stats suggest because playing cornerback in the NFL is very very difficult. Someone put together like a little highlight thing on Twitter today, and it was showing like numerous plays of Jamar Chase against Jalen Ramsey, and Jamar Chase doesn't have like a gap of air between him and Jalen Ramsey. It's just that playing cornerback in the NFL is very difficult and you can get beat very quickly and you can get beat on three plays and all of a sudden that's a huge number of yards. He had a better game than Eli Apple anyway. <laughs> oh, he had a better night than Eli Apple after every <laughs> single player in the NFL unleashed the drafts they've had for about four weeks waiting for Eli Apple to get knocked out of the play. Absolutely brutal, isn't it? Some of that, uh, was, some of the commentary has been unbelievable. <laughs> you do wonder what Eli Apple has done behind the scenes to upset so many people. Not just on the field, of course. So, you know, he's around for winding people up, but you do you do worry about the fact that he's clearly pushed some buttons to deserve all that. This is it. He's done a tre- he's a tremendous troll. There's there's no two ways about it. The amount of people from the amount of teams, it's impressive. It's impressive how many people felt the need to come onto social media. Uh, it was the pictures of the Chiefs guy sending photos of their Super Bowl rings and stuff like that. It's like I don't know. I don't actually know if Eli's ultimately long-term losing there because if you have to go and get your Super Bowl ring oh, and take no, a no, photo, when is... you're sat at home, I'm like, come, nah, come uh, on. Unless, unless Eli, Eli Apple wins Super Bowl MVP uh, <laughs> three times in a row, 
he is not coming back from the absolute decimation that was his character on Twitter after the game. Um, poor, poor Eli, poor Eli. Um, okay, so let's let's turn to the nominations then uh, as we go through that. The the Belter, I'll, I'll be honest, there's pretty much only three names on this list. Um, so there's a whole bunch of people have selected Aaron Donald. Um, I think Stephen Braxton says, one of the greatest defensive players of all time cementing his legacy. Two lost Super Bowls would not have looked good on his resume, and through sheer force of will, he did not let that happen. Lived in the backfield in the second half, but allowing Burrow any time to throw and come up with crucial run, stop, and quarterback pressure and the last three snaps to end the game. Um, Cooper Cup gets a whole load. Uh, Sean Black says, just too good. Had a quiet game by his standards until he caught fire in the last drive. Um, and then there's a couple of nominations for Matt Stafford. Uh, Patrick Wilson says, surely this playoff run in Super Bowl win puts this whole Matthew Stafford is not a big game player narrative in the bin. Game-winning drives in the divisional round, championship game, and Super Bowl. His no-look pass to Cup late in the game was just superb. I hope the NFL Scotland podcast budget stretches to some counselling session for Charles as he comes to terms with the fact that Stafford has the same number of Super Bowl wins as Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Quite happy he's won. I think he, I've always admired him and felt sorry for him because he stop, was in such a crap franchise. Stop the Belter nominations now. The Belter <laughs> nomination goes to whoever it was that sent that in. I didn't catch the name because that takedown of Charles is probably my favourite. I have year. no problem whatsoever with Matthew Stafford winning a, a Super Bowl. Well done, Patrick. Not a problem. I think he's he's been a great he's been a great quarterback for many many years. Let down by an absolute car crash of a franchise, and then he got his move. So there is, a, there is a couple of other names that I'm going to read out before we actually get into picking it. Uh, Scott Baird puts forward Bryson Hopkins. Without Higby, OBJ, and Blanton getting injured, Hopkins stepped up for 4 for 47 when the Rams needed another outlet, barely played all year, and then became the second option behind Cup. Shout out to AD, Cup, St- uh, Stafford, Ernest, Jones, Vaughn, OBJ, and the rest of the team. Andy Cornell gives it to the Bengals organisation. What a belter of a turnaround from a few years ago. Very valid point. Uh, Jalen Ramsey gets a nomination from Ewan Chalmers. If it wasn't for his cover skills, the game would have been a total blowout. <laughs> the one other person, and I'll read that out, although it's a bit random. Adrian Drake, he gives it to the National Vintage League, our friends from down south who've contributed to some of our events previously. Uh, the effort those guys put in for us NFL fans is next level. The gear they have the, is insane. Do you know what? Happy to have plugs for folk in here. Go and check out the National Vintage League. Those guys do have some amazing vintage stuff. Um, do a load of work as well, so uh, good on them. But, gentlemen, who is your Super Bowl belter? Yeah, I, I think I think it's probably come. I mean, purely, for, you know, he had his touchdown and then was relatively quiet for a, for a long period of time, but purely on the basis that he was the only person in that offence, the only wide receiver capable of doing anything in that that drive. He's the only person that could have got the Rams ahead at the end there. You know, Stafford wasn't throwing well to anybody else at that point. There was no one else getting free. Donald made, a, obviously, some huge plays at the end and, and was as good as he, as he always is. But that whole line, like he had a lot of help, basically, still at that point. And I think that that's the only differential for me, is that it was cup or nothing. Uh, and so on a, a very slim margin, I'll give it to him. I I think I'd go Aaron Donald. I do I do think did no one give Von Miller any nominations? Because Von Miller for the second time in his career played in the Super Bowl and 
had a phenomenal game. Didn't like, get any. Didn't get any nominations. That's, Great trade. I, oh, tremend, tremendous pickup mid-season. Um, but yeah, Aaron Donald at the end of that game. Like I think he also set up the fourth and one. I think he had the tackle. Yeah, yeah it was a keeping one. Yeah, with, with one hand basically. Holding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And who's not a small guy? Well, he's got a, a chunky guy. Like the, yeah. So and then just destroyed Quentin Spain on the final on the final plate. And then Quentin Spain after the game was telling everyone that before that he did a perfect game. It's like, well, you were punching air after <laughs> two seconds. Yeah. Yeah. You, you you had a perfect game apart from the fact the one play you needed to play well, you didn't. Yeah. Great. Aaron Donald all the way. Okay. All the way. Fine. Uh, I'll go with the consensus. Although I want you know, should have been the MVP. By the way, uh, I no, I, Cooper Cup was the right MVP. No, 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 I don't, I don't think so because if Cooper Cup hadn't caught that touchdown, I think people can get skewed by statistics when they make these decisions. Aaron Donald was the most influential player on the park, in my view. But there we go. We can argue it all off season. I think, I think, without Cup, they don't win. I think without Donald, they still might have because Von Miller was playing well. Other members of the I defense think, I think were doing they probably, well. They probably don't win without either of them. Yep. I, but I think they, they more don't win without Cup than they would have not <sighs> won without Donald, personally. Um, I'm happy, though, to make up for the, the the fact that he didn't get an MVP by raising a glass to Aaron Donald because he is the Loch Lomond Super Bowl belter of the week. On to the ball bag nomination then. Uh, a bit more mixed up here. So, um, and, and James Whitson opens us up perfectly. Any Bengals fan? Dot, dot, dot. Who complains about the soft defensive holding play against Logan Wilson on third and goal without recognising they should have gone backwards 15 yards rather than score a 75 touchdown on the first play of the second half. Fair enough. Right, couple of nominations for the Bengals O-line. Um, Peter Fotheringham says it's been a mess all year, a bit more protection for Burrow and they might have kept the ball long enough to win. Brian Flores gets one from Andy Cornell. Basically, it's a Super Bowl week, but hey, for trying to sue anyone that doesn't hire him. So, shot there just for uh, Brian Flores. Is that Paul's burner account? <laughs> uh, Johnny Bailey gives it to Eli Apple. Got torched all game and ultimately cost the Bengals the whole match. What a ball bag. Uh, Jalen Ramsey gets one from Stephen Bryson. Yes, he's a Super Bowl winner, but has the rest of his teammates to thank as he was repeatedly burned. Did get a dodgy uh, didn't get a dodgy call with the face masks, but was already in trouble. The rest of the Rams' big-name players contributed, but he did not. Um, Kirk Cousins gets one from Tony Bruton. Straighten the picture on your wall, man. If you think that's straight, it explains why you've thrown so many picks. <laughs> um, Lauren Callahan gives it to NFL MVP voting. Votes have to be cast before the two-minute warning in the fourth quarter and has been for many years now. Given the heroics of Aaron Donald and the Rams' defense in the final two minutes, the NFL should look at extending the deadline until after the game. would argue he should have been MVP of the match. Hold on, Lauren. Lauren what you're thinking there. Um, so... Cooper Cup scored after the two minute warning, by the way. Just oh, yeah, for, for the counterpoint to that well, argument. My yeah. question is what happens if it goes to overtime and they've already made the vote? <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's happened before, and I think they, they re if it goes to overtime, they put the ballots back out again. Mm, right, okay. Let people change. Uh, OBJ's knee gets one from Phil Spears. Ah, oh, such a shame. Uh, he was looking like a legitimate Super Bowl MVP. Uh, it did, however, make the game closer. 
Um, I, I, I honestly thought that was like a making fun of him for tearing his ACL there. I was like, Jesus, <laughs> why are we reading this out? <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, other Would option it not be was, the, uh, the SoFi Stadium turf as opposed to OPJ's knee? <laughs> it was it was his knee that's the ball bag, not OBJ. So it's fine. It's fine. Um, right. The, I, don't his, I don't know if his knee deliberately, you know, injured though. Like, <laughs> like inadvertently. I don't know if he can give his knee a ball bag. Because... You can get an inadvertent ball bag nomination. You can get something for doing it by mistake. <laughs> um, Malcolm McDowell, uh, sorry, McDougall gives it to the guy on the O's on the jeez. The guy on the Bengals' O-line that thought it was a good idea to wind up Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is a very scary man on the football field. He regularly battles three extremely large men at a time and wins a disproportionate amount of times. Why on earth would you make him go... Um, I don't even know what the final word is there, but nuts, ultimately. Pretty much... Oh, uh, the pitch uh, invading fan, says Brian Dando, probably spent thousands on a ticket, then decides to go and have a night in the cellars. Uh, instead, a whole load for Vernon Hargreaves. Um, obviously, <laughs> there must be better ways to prove you were an active at the Super Bowl than doing a pitch invasion in flip-flops and socks, says Reese Nunes. Um, Sean Black just says his penalty for running on the field to celebrate the Bengals' first interception maybe didn't cost them the game, but it was completely idiotic and worthy of a ballback status. Patrick Watson gives it to the trophy presentation. Please stop presenting the trophy to the owner of the team first. It's just weird, especially when a lot of these owners are ball bags themselves. <laughs> it's a very valid point, and it is a weird thing. Get off the pitch. You've done nothing. You've done nothing. Um, and then pretty much every other nomination is for the officials. Um, other than I'm going to read out two different Steves. Um, so there's a whole load for the officials, right? Call stuff or don't call it, says Peter Coyne. Uh, the no calls were egregious as the incorrect flag were as egregious as the incorrect flags and probably had more impact on the game in favour of both teams than the offences in the second half. Can't complain too much as we got the result, but the way the match was officiated left everyone with a sour taste and an axe to grind. Um, however, I'm going to leave, like I say, the last two with Steves. Steve Lynn says, uh, Super Bowl halftime shows. Why bother even doing them? Just get the players back out and finish the game earlier. And Stephen Greg... Sorry, Steve, are you living in 1974? <laughs> this is not how modern entertainment works. And then to give it an alternative Steve view, Steve Bregg says uh, his Bob Ags nomination are for halftime show whiners. Usual suspects complaining about the halftime show for reasons that have nothing to do with their musical taste. If you don't like rap, that's fine. But it was a great slice of SoCal music and culture. Um, firstly, before we actually award a nomination for Bob Ag, halftime show. Thoughts, great. gentlemen? Tremendous. Superb. I thought the set, as good as the music was, the only criticism I would have was I thought the microphones for the rapping were a little bit quiet. Yeah. Like it was kind of drowned out by the... Um, music, but that was great. Thought the set was probably the best set they've had for a Super Bowl halftime. Looked really cool. Nice yeah. bit of nostalgia, good fun. Mm. And good anyone, way. anyone under the age of thirty would never have recognised any of those guys, which is great. I mean, possibly Mary J. Blige, but I mean, Fifty Cent. Where's he been? And Cameron pointed out on our WhatsApp group, he's clearly been in a fridge for 15 years. <laughs> I've been enjoying the inflation jokes around 50 Cent. What's happened to 50 Cent inflation? I think it's <laughs> tremendous. <laughs> <laughs> 50, 50 Cent was hanging from the ceiling. 
aka the, the video of his most famous song way back in the day. I'm surprised he didn't bring the ceiling down. <laughs> Um, did we actually see him get down himself? I can't remember. Was he? No, he, he down. needed help. Was there a cherry picker on hand just to kind of lower him slowly? <laughs> anyway, do you know what? I, I, I'm safe. Fifty Cent ain't listening to this podcast. We can say what we want, but there is one other nomination actually because there was one person I missed this one. Donald McLeod. He gave one to Kendrick Lamar. His point is Dre, Snoop, M- uh, MGB, Fiddy, Eminem, all brilliant, but that. Prick just took the buzz out of the halftime show. And I did think the Kendrick Lamar bit was definitely the weakest part of the whole thing. So, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, I thought it was tremendous. I think it's the best one in a long time. Um, although I'm a big Gaga fan, I think Lady Gaga's halftime show is probably the best of the last 10 years. And a lot of people said this was. This is number two in the last 10 for me. I think Gaga's was tremendous. Yeah, I, would, I would agree. I, the Gaga one is brilliant, uh, but yeah, this this was this was fun. This was the yeah. the, the other ones that I've just kind of seen somebody plodding through a few songs for, but that, this was genuinely fun, and they all looked like they were having a good time as well, which was which was good. Yeah, it was excellent. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so who gets your ball bag nominations? And we'll start again with Andy. I think it's got to be the Bengals O line, isn't it? I mean, they've they've been a nightmare all season, and I think Stafford had a second more to th- time to throw than Burrow did. It, it, it was the difference, you know. There's a there's a chance that the Bengals don't even get here because the Titans had so many sacks, and that really, if Tannehill hadn't chucked the game away, eh, you know, they might not have been here. So, yeah, I think they were ultimately that was the biggest mismatch. As, as bad as the Rams run game was against uh, the Bengals' defence. That was ultimately the uh, the biggest mismatch in the whole thing. And they, they just they just couldn't cope in that second. They did they surprisingly okay first half, but they just couldn't cope in the second. I feel like we've come full circle and I'm going to end the season agreeing with Johnny Bailey. See you later. <laughs> not, only did he get, not only did he give up the game-winning penalty, then the game-winning touchdown, he just got absolutely decimated by every single person on Twitter after the game. I don't. I don't know how you recover from that, Charles. Uh, I have two. I think uh, I'm going to give it to Zach Taylor, which is harsh, perhaps, because I do think that if if he'd been a little bit smarter with his play calling and kept Joe Mixon in the game in the fourth quarter rather than sticking him on the sidelines at third down, then they had the chance to win it. They had the chance to go up the field and win it. And as much as the offensive line was getting manhandled, I think. You can still make the best out of a situation like that if you if you're smart. So he will have many many nightmares over the off season. And I'm also going to give an honorary ball bang mention to our absent friend, Mr. Paul Mitchell, who obviously was really looking forward to the halftime show, and then tweeted because he's now on his holidays at a venue that we don't want to reveal to the wider public because otherwise you'll all flood him with uh, attention. He said, how on earth do you follow the halftime Super Bowl show? Easy, with something decent that has songs you actually want to hear again. So, Paul, if you're listening, you know it was a good halftime show. We can't wait for you to book Brad Paisley for next year. (laughs) And Billy Joel, don't forget that. And Billy Joel, don't forget Billy Joel. And Billy Joel. Um... I, I feel like Eli Apple's had enough. He suffered enough. You know, yeah, he did get burnt. He did get burnt, but he had he did okay through the game. He wasn't no. rotten. No, um, <laughs> you, you he got he, the, the, no player in the history of the NFL has seen more NFL players gang up on him like that after a game. But like, I can't I can't believe that 
every every NFL player with a Twitter account had a joke that had clearly been in their drafts waiting. To be that hated by every single person that plays your sport, it's incredible. It's quite something. I, I want to give a notable mention to, I think, either ESPN or Shefty himself, whoever it was that pulled together that graphic of OBG and Stafford with... Um, Landry, Calvin Johnson, Calvin Johnson and, and Eli Manning <laughs> with a quote saying they said it couldn't be done. Two-time Super Bowl winning Eli Manning said it couldn't be done, did he? Did he, Shifty? Is that what was said? What a shite graphic with a shite message that's a load of pish. Why would you post that? If, bugger off. Ugh. Dripping in. Oh, they said they doubted me. They said I could never do it. You've been talked about as one of the best wide receivers your entire bloody time. And Stafford, people have always bigged you up, man. Nonsense. That, I mean, Nonsense. neither one of those guys tweeted that. It was Schefter that tweeted that. They're not yeah. responsible. No, 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 they're not. But still, I, I the doy I over Beckham as well for me is just a bit much. Like he'd contributed and got injured, but. Beckham's not the reason that they're there. There's so many other people it's deserve people recognition. Like you, it's because people like you hate him. I don't hate him. The whole time real, him off. I've got no issue with he's Beckham. He's fun. He's I've entertaining. Got no with I've got no issue with Beckham at all. None at I, all. I, I, rec- Z- I reckon Z- if you went back back over the Bob Ag nominations in this podcast, you've probably nominated him, I reckon, four plus times in um, 184 podcasts. Could you get as someone many, at PFF to analyze You've nominated him as many as you have for... Um, Mr. Antonio Brown, probably. Oh, no, for, no. For Paul Mitchell. Nonsense. For no, 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 Gordon, no, no, no. for I, myself. I'm struggling to think of a week where Russell I Wilson, actually... I'm struggling to think. I'm, I'm just struggling, rattling them off here. Struggling to think of a time where I've nominated Beckham for anything that he's done. Um, this season, the only time I think I would have noted him was... It was his dad more than him, to be to be perfectly honest. But uh, yeah, that's that's water under the bridge now. No, listen, I think done great. I just yeah, the stories are about the wrong people sometimes. Is all I've got to say on that one. Um, but do you know what? So who's who's the ball bag? Now nah, I'm I'm giving it to Vernon Hargreaves. I'm I'm making a, a massive decision just purely because because Eli suffered enough. I feel he suffered enough. Um, so I'm giving it to Vernon because you're inactive for the Super Bowl and somehow you still get on the field and you cost your team 15 yards. Um, flapping around after an interception. Clown. Stop being a clown. You're a total ball bag. It's, that is the epitome of ball bag behavior right there, that little moment. And then we saw him sitting on the sideline looking all sheepish. Ball bag. So Vernon Hargreaves, you are the ball bag's ball bag of the Super Bowl. So there you have it. The season's done. It's been an absolute cracker. We're not done. We've got loads to talk about. We're going to have our end-of-season awards podcast coming up. Keep an eye out for that because we're going to come out and get your thoughts. There's going to be more chances to win some of our amazing prizes. And talking about prizes, that's what we're going to do now. So we've got a whole bunch that we need to um, award here. So let's start with the nominations for this week. We need to pick our belter who will get the Loch Lomond whiskey and two tumblers and our bobag who will get a pair of bobag underwear. So uh, Andy, as our guest, I'll let you do both of these. So first of all, can I have a number between 1 and 30 for the belter? Uh, let's go with 10. Number 10. Congratulations to uh, Scott Baird. Uh, Scott, you win the Loch Lomond whiskey. And the two tumblers. And the same 1 to 30 for a ball bag winner, please. Uh, I'm trying to think of Eli Apple's 
under 30 I think he is but I can't remember I think he's 20 I think it's his number 20. Well, right, let's, go, let's go with 20 then 20 Peter Fotheringham congratulations Peter you win a pair of ball bags underwear um, okay there's a couple of other things that we need to do as well other prizes that need to be won first up we were giving away five bottles of whiskey in our Super Bowl competition this year over 600 people took part which was tremendous um Charles, I, I I got the Twitter competition grannies on you earlier a couple of weeks ago. Well, revenge was came back at me tenfold because I had to scroll through over 600 people's replies to see who'd got it right and who hadn't. And that took me a while, let me tell you. Two people got it bang on as well. So congratulations. Uh, honestly, it, it's, it's impressive. But out of 600, I, do you know what? Because it wasn't like it was a super funky score or anything like that. Um, however, two people got it absolutely bang on and predicted that the Rams would win by 23 points to 20. So congratulations to Jenny Barrett um, and congratulations to Craig Fowler off the terrace. Um, obviously a good friend of yours, Andy. Craig managed to get it absolutely nailed on. I asked him whether he'd put any money on it. And he said he didn't. So we little Bob Ag nomination there for you, Craig. But you've learned enough. That's a lesson learned. If you're going to commit to something, you've got to back it up. You've got to back it up. Anyway, the two of them win a bottle of whiskey. There's a whole lot of people got the right score but the wrong outcome. So they predicted the full-time score would be 23-20. They had it to the Bengals over the Rams. So we've pulled all those people together, and we're going to pick three of them now to then get another three winners so there was a total of nine people got the right score but with the wrong outcome so i need a number from each of you between one and nine to pick who those winners will be so charles you go first uh mr super bowl quarterback matthew stafford number nine. Oh, number nine right at the bottom of the list easy so at jimmy 17 underscore you win a bottle of whiskey a number from you andy Hey, let's go with uh, number one. Number one, at Scott Gibb one, you win a bottle of whiskey. And finally, from you, Gordon. Let's go with the number from the last quarterback named Joe to win a Super Bowl. That's Joe Flacco, number five. Oh, God. How do we get him into this podcast? How did we get him into Cause, this cause he's Because he's the actual last Joe Cool to win a Super Bowl, despite the fact that I was forced to listen to Joe Cool for Joe Burrow, who proceeded to do absolutely nothing. That's why. Oh. Did not, nothing. Jesus. At Stevie M98, congratulations, you win a bottle of whiskey. So there's our three winners for that one. That leaves us with one competition that we still need to draw. So as I bring up all the entries for that one, um, what this one was, uh, where have I got this open? <laughs> this was the competition for the for, for basically the listeners of this podcast. What mm. you needed to do was tell us who Paul would pick for his uh, dream lineup for the uh, halftime show for Super Bowl 57. You've already mentioned who that was earlier on there, Charles. Um, it was, of course, Brad, Brad Paisley Beasley. and Billy, Billy Joel. Joel. Yeah. So, um, I urge all the listeners to go out there and listen to Brad Paisley. There was 67 entries put in. There was two people out of that 67 got it wrong. So, you know, just punted on it and hoped for the best. Um, special mention to Gavin Newlands, 
who gives the right answer, but also adds Val Dunikin and Roger Whittaker to the lineup as well, which feels, which feels like Paul's missed the trick here. Paul, you should have had Val and Roger in there from the start. You know, that's just a missed opportunity. Um, anyway. Uh, Tony also describes, uh, actually, Tony got it wrong because he added Bob Paisley and Billy McNeil, Scotland's best halftime crooners. He got the right the right names, but the wrong way around. Right. Um, so what I need is I need a number between 1 and 67. I'll scan through. If the answer is correct, that person will win a bottle of whiskey and two tumblers, courtesy of the wonderful people at Loch Lomond Whiskies, who have been sponsoring us all season long. And let me tell you, it's been absolutely brilliant having them on board. So fingers crossed, we've all done enough and spoken about them enough that they'll be back next year. But for now, um, I need a number between 1 and 67. So again, Andy, as a guest, I'm going to give this one to you. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think who can give it to. Um, what number? Uh, let's go with. Uh, we've talked about it's. Uh, we've talked about him already. He didn't have a great game, but let's go with number five, uh, Jalen Ramsey. Number five, Jalen Ramsey. So looking through my list here, number five is Mark McEwen, who correctly says Brad Paisley and Billy Joel. Congratulations, Mark. You win a bottle of Loch Lomond whiskey and two tumblers. Okay, I think that's all the competitions I needed to do. Woofed. Like I say, a couple more chances to win before the season's out, so stay tuned to social media uh, and our podcast for that one. Before we wrap up, though, guys, anything else that we want to cover? don't know if there is. I think the Super Bowl wrapped up nicely. Mm. Feels like we can now get ourselves ready for... Off-season shenanigans. Fun, fun off-season, yeah. A fun off-season indeed. We've got... Um, Quarterbacks moving or not moving... Teams having to somehow get under the salary cap by seventy-five million, and, and another reason that Paul's not here. Yeah. <laughs> and and where will David Ajabo go? Uh, interesting to see. And that where they, will David Ajabo go? And on, that's yeah. On the uh, NFL that's, website tonight, there is a three-round mock draft that has him going to the Falcons at number eight overall. He could fall any. I think he could fall anywhere in the between anywhere between five and thirty. Just it depends on what how a team is thinking, and there will be a run on quarterbacks. I mean, we're going to talk about this in the in the run up to yep. the draft at the end of April, but that affects every other player, and you just know. But what what you want is for him, from a Scottish perspective, to have a, a great place that he can just dive straight in there and make an impact, and hopefully be on a team that's contending. Could yes, be a indeed. great story to follow the next few years. Yep, it'll be great to see with the combine that's coming up. But listen, we've got the end. Of, we've got our end of season awards pod that we'll be doing. Like I say, keep an eye out for that one. We will. We we promised that we'd have a proper quarterback chat at the end of the season. We'll do that in the next couple of weeks, where we look at the impact of Brady retiring, Big Ben retiring. Uh, there's going to be quarterbacks on the move. There's going to be new number ones in a number of places. So lots of interesting things still to talk about. But that is the full time whistle for episode 184 of the NFL Scotland podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this in every single episode. Continue to follow us on social media at Scotland NFL on Twitter and search for NFL Scotland on Facebook. Thank you to Charles and Gordon as ever. Thank you to Andy for joining us as well. His smug moment in the sun continues and we're happy to let him extend that. Thank you for taking the time to listen. As I say, we'll be back again very soon. But until then, bye for now. <laughs> <laughs>